Hi, I'm Amy Lee. And I'm Kat. And you're listening to the Not Watching Movies podcast, a podcast where we review movies that we haven't seen based solely on IMDb trivia. Uh, first off, we'd like to offer our sincerest apologies for not recording a podcast or releasing one uh, this past Sunday. Uh we have been on vacation yeah um not together but we both went to canada yes uh possibly more on that later maybe maybe not we'll see we'll see okay so kat what movie did we not watch this week okay so this week we are reviewing the gritty crime noir classic uh beverly hills cop (laughs) yep so dramatic like perfection i really thought Yes, absolutely. Suspense, um, everything. And so in this 1984 classic, uh, what did you not, or what did you already know about this film before not watching it? It has Eddie Murphy in it. Okay, yeah, yeah, good start. I was going to say I didn't know anything, but I, I did know that. Um, I'm assuming from the title it's set in Beverly Hills and that he's a cop. Am I completely misremembering that the movie poster had a cop car on the front? I wasn't born yet, so I don't really know. I you can't weren't, comment. You weren't born yet? No. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, all right, then. <laughs> oh, do you need a minute? <laughs> okay. I'll survive. Okay. Um, I think I'm just surprised that you're old enough to remember the um, poster. I, well. How okay. old are you? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Moving swiftly on from that well, before I out you to um, our well, no, because I huge I grew listening up, I grew base. up going <laughs> huge. I'm at <laughs> oh gosh, our one fan will be very disappointed by this. Uh, <laughs> I've been collecting reviews so that we can, you know, uh, have little like captions. So, <laughs> no, no. So far, I've got the first twenty minutes are okay. By Otis. Uh, I've got a. I'm kind of enjoying listening to them, Richard. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there thanks, we go. Thanks, Richard. That really means a lot. <laughs> it really does. Um, when, I, when I'm going through dark times, I'll remember that. <laughs> lift me, lift my spirits. No, no. Okay, right. So, Beverly's Hills Cop, according to um, Sammy Altahar on IMDb, um, Axel Foley is a Detroit cop who, after the murder of his friend, travels to California to investigate and track down the killer who he believes operates an art dealership as a cover in Beverly Hills. He teams up with two reluctant detectives from the Beverly Hills Police Force who were supposed to keep a watch on him, especially after seeing Foley's different approach to tackling the situations when is not acceptable by the chief of the local police. So as you can see, it is following a maverick cop in this gritty hunt for justice and revenge in the classic crime noir style. Excellent. Um, so I should say that Steven Burkhoff hated the film. Who's that? I don't know, he worked on it. Cool. His name came up a few times in the yeah. trivia. I assume yeah. he's remotely important. Well, I, I, I kept I, well, I kept seeing it. I should really have looked it up to see who he is, but I'm like, oh, I'm sad about that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was really successful, so screw you. I, I think we need to walk through the, like, 
opening middle end of this film um as describe what happened so it's gonna be a dark night axel foley is is leaning on the hood you know again back against the hood of his car while there's in the hit in the distance you can hear um you know looking out over a nice scape cityscape you know from from up high i'm imagining with you know sirens in the background and some sort of like and where is he at this point um like in the hills above above the oh, city wait, no, no, no. Down. i know that th- I know that most of the or most of the opening scenes were shot in Detroit. Uh, Detroit being okay, very okay. dangerous at this then point. In, walk, okay, now he's walking down some Detroit back alleys, and you can hear the sirens in the background, and there's some sort of like dark, gritty, like um, you know, overhead going. Uh, it, it was a dark night when I found out about the death of my friend. He'd been really influential, helping me get over there. Oh, so the brutal, friend does not die on screen the then. The brutal murder of my of my parents. <laughs> sure, why not? What is he, Batman? He, no, he's he's got deep emotional scars, man. Deep emo- Why do you think he's such a maverick? You know, he doesn't. He don't, has no respect for the law because the law has got no respect for him. <laughs> that kind of thing. I I should note by the way that this film has a body count of seven, so we need to figure out who dies. Right. Can I also say... I've decided, by the way, I found a website that gives you the body count of all films. Um, Amazing. And so I think we need... That's an extra piece of trivia. I'm going to... I'm going to... Further deepen my research and give you a body count. I'm really looking forward to when we do the Princess Diaries 3 for that. (laughs) Body count 57. The list of of actors that turned down the role of Axel Foley is one extensive and surprising, including Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, and... um, According to Stephen Berghoff, Sylvester Stallone, who did sign on to the film, quit because of arguments arguments not an argument (laughs) arguments um over what kind of orange juice was in his trailer well it's like it's like about the tie yeah the type of orange juice and it was like obviously they'd gone well we're gonna give you this and he was like well no i want this and they they refused to give i mean what kind of what was it like did it come in a gold-plated like bottle or something i have no idea but i'm so excited about it yeah that's amazing i'm so excited about it um but you can totally imagine that if sylvester salone had made the movie then the body count would have been closer to like 200 yeah well i mean the (laughs) <laughs> the opening scene would just be him like walking in and just going and ripping like people to shreds yeah yeah um which would have probably been a better film i might have watched it yeah yeah sure why not i mean i can't really comment because i haven't seen the original but okay so we've got so far um Wouldn't it just basically be rambo in like beverly hills <laughs> <laughs> in Beverly Hills, just so oh. alone rampaging through killing people. I'm kind of imagining him rampaging a la Godzilla, um, <laughs> 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 smashing buildings. <laughs> I don't know. Sylvester <laughs> smash. <laughs> I like I like how Godzilla is now part Hulk. It's really good. Well, Sylvester Stallone is part Hulk. I mean, just look at him. Oh dear, Sylvester, I love you if you're listening. I'm a big fan. I, I can only assume that Matt has him tied up somewhere and forcing him to listen to this. Write us a review, please. <laughs> um, okay, so um, right. What I think is really interesting. Is that like so? Basically, they'd written a script for Sylvester Stallone, and then when he stormed off set because they wouldn't give him Tropicana, um, he, <laughs> I uh, assumed it was Sunny Delight. Ew. No, 
Sunny Delight is disgusting. No, that's I know. What they gave him. No, I'm assuming him. that's what he wanted, and everyone was like, "No, it has no nutritional value." <laughs> and he's like, "I demand We're Sunny Delight." This for your own good, Sylvester. <laughs> um, <laughs> he took the script with him and used parts of it to kind of make a different movie. So then they basically went through all these rewrites. And there's all, you know, there's a story of in one of the scenes, the guy's holding like rolled up paper, which is like the rewrite of the script. They gave him like minutes before we went in and that um, Eddie Murphy had to like, when they were stuck for like, you know, script, he like made up whole scenes or like just ad lib like dialogue, like just plug the gaps, which suggests a shoddily written script. Yeah, this thing wins an Oscar for best screenplay. I it mean, did like, not. It, um, it did. No Pretty way. Sure. I'm gonna look now, and it's not. But it, it definitely, <laughs> it definitely got nominated for something. Oh yeah, Oscar nominee for best writing screenplay written di- directly for the screen. Whereas I feel that like Eddie Murphy just seemed to make it up. Well, yeah, apparently he did make up all of it. Okay, so he starts off in Detroit. Does his partner so someone die? Someone needs to really rethink how they, you know, nominate Oscars. Yeah, it's obviously not well written. <laughs> Did he die on screen or off screen? The partner. Uh, um, Do we see that murder scene? Sure, why not? Nicely dramatic. All right. Um, how does he die? Did he slip Shot. on a banana peel? Shot? I don't know. Like with one of those like Tommy gun things yeah. from like gangster movies. <laughs> yeah, and you just see him like clutching, clutching the photo of his wife and like infant son. For the listener, no, those aren't foley effects. I know that that sounded really. Realistic. <laughs> um, yeah, he dies clutching the photo of his wife and infant twins as the blood seeps into it, and it's terribly dramatic. Tell my wife, tell her that my suit jacket is at the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> then, oh yeah, weirdly, he dies in an art gallery. Yeah, Did sure. He die in the art gallery? Oh no, no. There's a painting. Okay. That's released two days before his death um, of his death scene. Cool. That's why Eddie Murphy is convinced that the art gallery is involved somehow. Do you also know how he also knows that the art gallery is somehow implicated in that when he finds a big crate full of drugs, it has the address, name and address <laughs> of the guy who owns, I, am, I shit you not, it has the name and address of the guy who owns the art gallery. It does not. On the lid oh. of the crate. Oh my gosh, plot points. Oscar nominated for best writing, people. Oh, oh my god. You're like, are you freaking kidding me? Stupidest crime lord ever. Yeah. Oh, and then there's going to be, obviously, some chases, because... As we know, the incredibly artistically shot and dramatic smashed fruit truck scene. And, um, <laughs> what is this, cig- a Jackie Chan film? <laughs> cigarette spill of a no, no, no. In homage to the Goonies, obviously. Um, so there's the cigarette spillover scene as well. I don't really know what that is, but it, it sounds particularly, you know, classic. So I do know that there's a strip club scene. And the song in it, I can't remember what it was called, but it was the stripper who was, they hired a real stripper to do the scene. Oh my God, how method. And she suggested the song. And I can only assume that at the bar in this strip club was Whoopi Goldberg (laughs) serving drinks. (laughs) Well, no, no, because obviously if Whoopi Goldberg did serve drinks in that bar, she would have talked 
all the strippers into going home and making up with their families because really at the end of the day all we have is the human connections in our lives and that was what really matters yeah that's true she would have been dispensing good advice well yeah so you really don't want her in your strip club because you really want you know to make sure that your employees stay emotionally broken come with sexual frustration (laughs) leave with inner peace (laughs) so since she ran a bar i would drink that all the time uh yeah okay Guy dies. Obviously, Eddie Murphy's character, Axel, is, you know, incredibly cut up because this is the guy who helped him through, like, all his deep emotional trauma in his informative years. So he travels. And the story behind, like, why the the company picked this up is both kind of like cool but also disappointing because Michael Eisner is was the president of the production company I can't remember which one and he's driving it like he's you know incredibly rich and successful you know movie mogul driving along in an old station wagon that probably had a lot of sentimental value to him you know they probably took some good road trips maybe you know took his his wife out on their first date and made out in the back of that car, you know? They conceived and gave birth to their child there. Yeah, you know, cars carry memories, you know, they're important. But anyway, he gets pulled over for speeding. And because obviously he's driving this beat-up station wagon, like, the police is a bit of a dick to him. And then he has this big revelation of, like, you know, how, like, the way you present yourself really affects the way you're treated and blah, blah, blah. And that he really wanted to make a movie that kind of showed the sort of unfair treatment of even if you come from another city and you do things differently and how the stereotypes work against you. You're like, wow, that's really cool. And then he went out and bought a Mercedes-Benz so that it wouldn't happen to him again. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Damn it, he was so close to being cool. And then he ruined it. Where does the strip club scene fit in? I'm guessing... Um, um, he needs to go see the sort of the underworld rat informant guy. You know, when they go and they like, they go... I thought it was going to be linked to the art gallery as in like, this is the performing arts. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Could be. Where, you know, um, one of the cops' good friends, Bunny, she works there and it's like, oh, Clancy, anything for you. <laughs> Or you could have like I am not sure what stereotype that is, but I'm into it. Yeah, um, I for some reason in my head I'm definitely in a like Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of ah, like, place, okay. which is you know wrong era, wrong place. Um, right, so he's in Detroit. <clears throat> we have the scene where dude gets murdered in the art gallery. Um, but, but no, as was foretold, as was foretold by in a the painting art, in the art gallery, um, Axel- which is also shipping drugs for some reason. Yeah, with their name and address on all the baggies idiots um axel gets the call travels to beverly hills you know is terribly mistreated because of his weird you know detroit mannerisms and nothing at all to do with the fact that he's black and yes and then they go to the strip club to get information and then when they're in the strip club they see some guy who like does that thing where they look and then he looks and then they look and then he bolts for the door and it gets to the car and then they have the weird car chase where they run it they go through the fruit truck and there's watermelons everywhere and they go <laughs> and the thing and the cigarette truck goes around the corner too fast and falls over and there's cigarettes everywhere and and then what happens uh- <laughs> over to you Amy. oh well thank you uh so then after that uh, well, so so they've got the guy, they've got the guy, yeah. and the docks because all these things always oh, have yeah, to be okay. the docks, so it has to be the docks. Okay, um, yeah. So they get so they get to the docks, and there's shipping containers there, 
Of course. Obviously, they assume that there's going to be more drug shipments in uh-huh. the shipping container, which for some reason they're still going after. Uh, they seem really inconsistent about whether this is a <laughs> murder or drug film noir. Well, maybe maybe it's that the actual cops are going for the drugs, but Axel Foley's on some sort of maverick personal vendetta. Yeah, absolutely. It turns out that the art dealer, which I'm only going to assume by all the other kind of cliches in this film uh that the art gallery owner is going to be french cool yeah can he have a little one of his little pencil oh, mustache? he definitely has a pencil mustache yeah. and he wears a stripy shirt and a beret and a beret something's <laughs> <laughs> and- <laughs> and- <laughs> and- less gritty and more farcical <laughs> uh there is nothing farcical about a french man with a beret um he called pierre hmm? pierre oh i thought you said pierre and i was like <laughs> beer <laughs> No, yeah. Pierre. Pierre. Pierre du toit. <clears throat> it's going to have to be some kind of like, um, like hats off to French, uh, French artists, right? It'll be like Pierre Monet. Oui. And so he turns out to have been the murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was his planning of the murder was that painting. It wasn't, it wasn't psychics after all. Because of course, you know, ordinary people would just, I mean, you know, like not to incriminate themselves would just think of it in their heads, possibly jot down some notes, but this guy has to paint an actual portrait. Ah, but then it, it speaks of the psychopathic tendency of killers that he then, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of I mean, this, arrogance that he then hangs it in his This film would not need be nearly as gritty if we didn't have, um, you know, this... <laughs> Don't give me that look. Uh, this film... Because because nothing says dark, gritty, and dramatic <laughs> like a car chase involving a smashed fruit truck. Uh, well, you know, it's it's a commentary on the film noir genre. Uh, of course, of course. <clears throat> um, and the main message is... Uh, <laughs> reduce food waste? Yeah! Don't uh, don't book by its cover. <laughs> don't look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> don't catch an egg. Don't count your chickens before they've hatched. Yeah, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> or not in this case. <laughs> not if you're from these, Detroit. These are all the lessons that I learned from not watching this film and more. I um, really feel it's been a really deep philosophical life moment for me, um, where it was like it was the scene. It was the scene in the sort of the back alley, you know, with the stray cats and the BB gun. Like that moment with the little urchin children would really made me realise. Please, you know, the con- sir, can I have some more? <laughs> uh, really made me feel like, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. <laughs> This is going to be quite emotional. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know? I'm, over, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to need a minute, guys. So we're on the docks. <clears throat> Pierre, Pierre de Coubertin is, um, you know, sorry, that's the founder of the Olympics. Yeah. Um, Pierre Monet, which is my favorite Olympic medal, by the way. The Pierre de Coubertin. Yeah, I mean, it gets handed out for nonsensical things, but it also gets handed out for like really cool stuff, like, yeah. uh, like people who have essentially foregone um their own wins in order to help other athletes who are in distress cool oh my god okay so slight digression but my favorite one of my favorite stories from the real olympics <laughs> digression that's not allowed on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> go on no, make an exception just this one okay just this one uh, so my favorite story from the olympics or one of my favorite because of which there are many um was the is it the five thousand women's um 
5,000 meters. Okay. 5,000 women running around. And, and then I'll have to catch a bouquet. <laughs> Anyways, go on. Um, Bobo and Megan were not too much. Yeah. Yeah, so the 500 meters women's um, qualifiers, two of the runners, they collided and fell over. Uh, one of them fell over. So the other one helped her up, and as she carried to run on, she realised that she'd hurt herself, and she fell over. So the other one could have just carried on running, but she stopped and helped her up, and it was really, really sweet. And they carried on running, and then they were all like, "Oh well, you know, like it's disappointing that that happened, but you know, it's a re- you know that's a really nice, heartwarming thing." But because they argued that that their sort of Olympic bodies argued that that collision had uh, was like an unnatural obstacle or whatever, they both made it into the final. Oh, amazing! So they made it into the final while still being decent human beings. Yeah, I always like it when people you know remember that they're humans yeah. first um one of my favorite stories um involves uh winter olympics vancouver i believe and uh it was one of the like distance skiing ones mm. and uh one of the canadians broke their ski pole and so a coach from i want to say like the swedish team or something ran out and handed it, I'm, i might be confusing oh, that's but nice. but the bit that i like about it is canadians on the whole sent him over a ton of maple syrup which is just it's both a thank you and a fuck you somehow and i don't really know why but it really get that through customs asshole both countries had to like waive all import fees to like allow it to happen and the guy's comment on it was like yeah i like it from time to time it's okay i guess sitting on like a ton of it well it's just expensive it is expensive and you could just sell it yeah, but anyway sure. we're getting away from the point like we're on the docks here like what's happening i'm in suspense what's gonna happen so axel is now there faced- has to be some kind of speedboat going over a jump and exploding midair that that's okay, that happens right. at some so, point axel axel and <laughs> as does in all Pierre. serious yeah of course all, all while s- jumping over a shark all serious cinema verite, um, yeah, which I mean, is obviously is. Absolutely. I mean, think about, you know, the Swedish masters, you know, the, the fathers of the genre, mm. the genre yeah. wouldn't wouldn't be seen dead without a, um, <laughs> a, a speedboat chase in there somehow, <laughs> with death yeah. playing chess on a speedboat. <laughs> it's, it's, meant, it's meant to contrast the levity and consumerism of, of speedboats and luxury with the tragedy of death. And the fragility of human existence. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so, <clears throat> here we go. Axel is face-to-face with the man he's been chasing down for this, you know, surprisingly long movie. And they're there on the docks, and, you know, they, they have the exchange, and he's like, do you know why I'm here? And he's all like, I have no idea, Be- you know, because he's an asshole. And then just, you know, when Axel's about to take the shot, he leaps into the speedboat, and off he goes. And you see Axel, he has a gun, and, he, you know, he, he points, and he's taking aim, and he shoots into the fuel thing, the fuel... The gas tank? Yeah, there yeah. we go. The, ge- the gas tank, the fuel container. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm British. And it explodes. The, the petrol container. Yeah, yeah. And then Axel looks into this and is like, paint that asshole. And then walks <laughs> off. Into the sunset. Yes. Beverly Hills sunset. And then, um, yeah, sure, why not? By the way, are there any pets in this film? Because I feel like I feel like it would be remiss of them to not have included some kind of animal. Uh, sure. Does okay. he have a pet parrot? Maybe. Sure. Yes, absolutely. That goes everywhere with him on his shoulder. <laughs> because of course, is you know uh, a pastiche for the sort of our inner consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a subconscious. Absolutely. That voice, you know, that that is always kind of looking over us, looking, you know, from the outside, 
looking in camera yeah close up on his on axel's face patents to the parrot (laughs) what is he thinking as he looks pensively over the ocean suddenly a voice can be heard from behind him (laughs) saying polly wants a cracker (laughs) (laughs) at which point axel reaches in reaches into his pocket and begins eating a soda cracker (laughs) And then what happens is like, you know, like how the sort of the black like shrinks down to a circle and then it comes back out to the parrot, which goes, what? And, and fade like, to black. The end. <laughs> All right. So I think. Oh my God, I love that movie. I, I'm, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get to that Super in a moment. That. Also, can I just, I re- what I really, really liked was the way it was shot. Like everything like sort of really muted colors and how everything was kind of like foggy, you know, in a really like atmospheric kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you rate this film? I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to give it three bananas out of five oranges. Excellent. I mean, there were some parts that were like, I think I really like kind of where they were going with it, but obviously there's some parts that were a little bit too cerebral for me, you know, <laughs> that I was really wasn't, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, there were, were bits that were tough to follow. Yeah. Like, um, you know, where that bit when, um, you know, he goes to sleep and there's a him in that just like dark room with the clown and they have that really deep conversation about marshmallows <laughs> I was just like what's happening um but you know I'm sure that 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 it was a really sort of yeah and I'm still really confused as to where that stripper's top went um I know I it was it was there one moment it was gone the next and you know it was that kind of jumping around and and kind of asking me to suspend my disbelief mm. um that that I, I struggled with um, but, but that's I, I'm, really I'm, where I'm, cinematic art comes through is that really, really pushes the boundaries <laughs> i i your still um, your, your comfort zone um <laughs> i still am gonna give it uh you know two parrots out of three crackers <laughs> but because you know it well frankly it had a parrot in it, so uh, and Whoopi Goldberg, and I really like her. So, would you recommend this film? I really liked her in Alien. <laughs> she was brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> and I would, I would totally recommend this film. I mean, I like Eddie Murphy. I like to see him doing something a bit different. You know, the more sort of dramatic roles <laughs> rather than the comedic. Um, so yeah, I would totally recommend it. Excellent. Um, I would also recommend it, mostly because I like French stereotypes, and uh... when they're done ironically. As they yeah, pulled it off absolutely perfectly. Yeah, and I movie. and I really like cinema verite as a genre. So I think, you know, what is classic what, example? Yeah, it's a, a classic example, and I really like film noir in general. So there's definitely um, go see this film. I think it's time now for us to review something that we have actually tried recently. Would you like to go first? Sure. So for people living in London, there is this thing called Project Awesome. And I think they have stuff in other cities as well. And I got to do this last weekend. It's super fun. So it's basically like kind of working out, but like fun. So we played Bulldog and Stick in the Mud. And then you kind of do circuits. And then there's races, so you have pairs where you do, like, wheelbarrow. And wheelbarrow is a lot harder than you might think it is. Oh, yeah. Like, Like, my core muscles were really struggling. And it's really, really a lot of fun. And you get to meet people. And the guys who run it, the Project Awesome guys, uh, Danny Bent and all those kind of people, like, they're really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, if you live in London or any of the other cities that they have those kind of things going on, then check it out. Absolutely super fun. How about you? I would recommend to anyone with siblings that uh, you encourage them to get married so you can attend their weddings. That was a ton of fun. I was recently in Canada for my brother's wedding, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, nice. mostly because they kept it really short and sweet. So oh, let's, my favorite kind of wedding. Let's be let's be honest here. 
going to weddings kind of sucks. It the wed- can, it can, the it can suck bit. away your entire summer if you let it. And I still don't understand why, because two people have decided to, you know, play house together that I have to spend so much damn money. Especially if you're close to one of them. You've got, like, the bridesmaids' dresses, and then you've got the, like, except, you know, whereas this was cheap and cheerful. It was lovely. Highly recommend it. As always, you are the height of joy and romance. <laughs> but I'm glad that you managed to see this as a positive experience. Oh, it was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Excellent. Um, so there you go, hound your siblings to, to, to get married, to and, get then, married. and then to do it well. So it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, so cool. thanks for listening to our podcast. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so how, Kat? Yeah, so if you want to give us an email at notwatchingmovies at gmail.com and if you want to uh, get us on Twitter at not underscore watching pod and then if you want to join us next time when we will not be Oh, we also watching... have a Facebook. Oh, we have a Facebook. Uh, which is... Uh... Not watching movies? Sure, yeah. Sure, not watching movies. <laughs> Google and see what happens. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, super... you, you, it may or may not be there, but uh, we definitely have guys. a podcast. Uh, or yeah. not a podcast. Well, we do have one of those. But we also definitely have a Facebook. Um, I encourage you to look look for it. <laughs> Your challenge for this week: find the Facebook page. Okay, um, if you want to join in, uh, join us next time. We will not be watching Basic Instinct. Ooh. Sexy. Yeah. All right. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>